0: Hello friends, welcome to the Delgado Podcast, a show featuring academics, authors, and artists who challenge the way we think and help us to grow in empathy and compassion. Today, we're focused on understanding the struggles and challenges faced by transgender teens and ways that parents can affirm and support them at home, school, and church. You know, many parents struggle to understand ways to care for their trans teens, especially if they think that it's just a phase of gender exploration or perhaps a mild form of gender dysphoria that will eventually resolve. And a parent may further struggle on how to care for their trans youth if they belong to a non-affirming religious community, which may exclude their teen from participating in important spiritual activities like communion, confirmation, mitzvahs, and other gender-based ministries. And sadly, some of these religious communities may further harm trans youth with transphobic teachings and political agendas, and all of this can lead trans youth to feel unaccepted, unloved, and less likely to continue in their faith journey. This is why it's super important for parents and spiritual leaders to be aware of the prejudice, discrimination, gender harassment, and many other barriers faced by trans youth. So what do we do? How can parents better support and protect their trans kids? Our awesome guest this week is author, educator, and trans-identified psychotherapist, Andrew Triska, who is focused on helping transgender individuals explore their gender identity and sexuality. His fantastic new book is entitled Parenting Your Transgender Teen, which helps parents learn ways to create a safe and supportive environment for trans youth. It's a book that will help you see the world through the eyes of a trans teen, which can make all the difference in the way that you seek to care for them. Andrew also talks with us about how parents can affirm and support their trans teens at home and school and ways for parents to deal with any doubts, anxiety, or fears they may have. And at the end of the podcast, I share seven ways parents can take Triska's trans-affirming strategies and apply them to religious households. Here's our conversation. Andrew, thank you so much for being on the podcast. and. Uh, joining us to talk about your fantastic new book on helping parents mentor and guide their transgender teens. So, thank you so much for being here. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So, um, before we jump in, I wonder if you can share a little bit about your work as a psychotherapist, as an author, educator, and consultant to help gender expansive youth.
1: Yeah. So, I'm I'm a, a psychotherapist. Uh, I'm in private practice these days. Uh, I also consult and train for uh, companies, organizations, schools uh to better serve uh trans clients and students and uh I write um my uh my current projects uh as you said I, I just uh I just um, my my recent book uh, parenting your transgender teen uh just uh, came out actually yesterday uh the 8th uh And uh, I'm also working on a project uh, for another publisher called uh, The Gender Deck, which is kind of a a therapeutic card deck for uh, therapists, teachers, uh, groups, uh, students, uh, basically any kind of uh, group of two or more people to, to use to have conversations about gender. So that's that's another thing I'm really excited about.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. And I love that you are developing a deck. To kind of gamify and make those conversations a little bit more um, intentional and more conversational? Because I feel like whenever we talk about sexuality or gender, um, those are very sensitive topics. And sometimes, especially as parents, we may not be sure how to even approach it. And um, my first question for you actually is, for a lot of parents, we might struggle even talking about sex with our children. And we may, may even be forgetting to talk about gender with our children. Can you talk about like some appropriate ways to bring it up with our kids?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think in a lot of cases, you can just be straightforward. I mean, you know, I I don't, I don't think you necessarily even need to have a a lead in. Uh, I mean, I I think the most important thing for kids to know is, you know, just on a very basic level is number one, that trans people exist. And number two, that, you know, that it's okay to be trans. I, I mean, you know, obviously there are a lot of nuances to that, you know, there's a lot of information that, you know, kids need to know beyond that. And, you know, you can guide them to those more like expert sources of information, you know, the sort of like websites, books, uh, you know, TV, movies, things like that. But really, I, I mean, I, I always stress that, you know, no matter whether parents uh, think their kid is trans or could be trans, uh it's important for kids to just know about, like, the existence of, like, regular old trans people in the world. So, I mean, I would say, you know, it's it's good to have, like, uh, media with trans people in it, you know, media with some, some form of gender diversity, you know, to have positive portrayals of trans people. Because uh, one of the things that I talk about a lot with my adult clients, you know, particularly those who are, you know, around my age who are in their 30s uh, and or older, is that they just had nothing, you know, when they were when they were younger. I was actually just talking with a friend who just came out as non-binary. Uh, and, uh, you know, this friend grew up in uh, rural Romania and just had absolutely, absolutely no idea that, you know, being trans was even a thing that a person could be, or that there were like, you know, happy trans people just, you know, chilling out there. Um, And I certainly growing up had, had very little idea beyond just, you know, seeing joke trans characters in movies, you know, these sorts of like comic figures that would appear in a TV show and in like a wig and heels and get a laugh and then leave. So uh I, I mean I, I guess, you know, my, my my main message is like, you know, have have some, you know, counter to that, you know, because that you know, they're gonna get like negative trans portrayals or jokes about trans people or gender everywhere they turn. So it's it's important to have some kind of like realistic positive trans story in your home.
0: For the parents listening in who are maybe getting a sense that their child or their teen is trans, um, what are suggestions for you on how to approach um, their teen or their youth
1: uh, about about uh, the possibility that they might be trans or about gender? Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I think I think uh, for the parents maybe that are sensing um, that they might be trans but maybe afraid to come out.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think that sense of positivity is important. Um, you know, even, even if the kid is not ready to even talk about these subjects, even if they're like cringing from, you know, any, cause you know, you may be in a situation where like you're, you know, you, you would be an affirming parent, you know, if your kid would only tell you what was going on, but they may not be in a place where they can tell you. Um, I mean, number one, you know, obviously like the, uh, The affirming part of things, just, you know, saying positive things about trans people in the world, having positive portrayals of trans people. Uh, Number two, I think respecting respecting boundaries, you know, being somebody who will, you know, ask about how they're doing, but not necessarily like pry into their private life, you know, allowing them to have that that sort of space, uh, privacy, you know have their own friends have space away from you um, uh, and you know I'm, I'm sure a lot of a lot of parents uh um sort of you know might balk at that because it's kind of like you know well if i'm not asking about this stuff directly or if i'm not like uh you know prying into these things like are they actually going to tell me but really like you know kids pick up on whether you're uh you're a safe person to uh you know to to say stuff to or you know whether it's safe not to tell you stuff so paradoxically you know by making it safe like not to say stuff to you or to say what they want and you know some things and not other things it, you know it may make you more of a safe person overall in the event that they you know they they are actually trans uh, the other thing I want to say and I always stress this you know with parents with schools you know any anybody any uh um arena where you know there might be somebody who hasn't yet come out whom you may have to you know accommodate or support basically you know assume everybody could be trans assume like a a child in general even one who has not shown signs of being trans could be trans because you know it's not it's not always the ones you suspect it's not always going to be really obvious or really stereotypical uh, especially in there and if they're in an environment uh you know at school or in the larger world where you know there's not a lot of trans representation or there's not a lot of acceptance of of gender difference so really like you got to do the work of assuming that you know anybody you encounter in the world or you know in right there in your house could could be trans.
0: Yeah, I I think the difficulty for a lot of parents is that that's not even on the radar, especially Uh in Christian Christian households, um, that that's not even a thought that that could possibly be happening. So when a child is in that household and maybe at some point feels like a need to tell their parent, um, there could be a a shock um, coming from the parent's side because that's something they never even thought could be possible.
1: Yeah that's definitely true like uh, you know a lot of a lot of uh, adults are just not you know watching for these things so you know when when a kid says i'm trans you know sometimes the immediate reaction is like what you you never showed any signs you know we never we never you never said anything about it uh but it's really on the adult to make it a safe environment to say something about it um you know there there's this uh this tweet that gets passed around the trans community every every couple of years uh that's that's something like uh trans person says uh i'm trans you know parent says what you never showed any signs and then in parentheses it's like parent would have killed you if you'd shown any signs you know obviously in most households it's not that dramatic but uh You know, when there's not a sense of positivity around gender, when there's not, you know, a sense that you can actually talk about these things and express yourself like that sort of tacitly says, like, oh, my God, gender is taboo. Sexuality is taboo. You know, you really have to actively work to make it not taboo. Yeah, absolutely.
0: What is your advice for the parent who uh, maybe is shocked by the news and is just feeling like, oh, this is just a phase That they're going to get through and i just need to like kind of weather the storm well
1: in the short term i mean this this is what i see a lot in parents there's this sort of urge to get every one of their anxieties doubts and fears right out in the open the first conversation they have about it so their kid comes out and their urge is like okay if i don't say something if i don't air absolutely every doubt and fear that i'm having right now then something bad's going to happen, or they're going to transition tomorrow, they're going to go get surgery, they're going to, you know, do all all of these other things that I'm so, so, so scared about. Uh, and so I, I always urge uh, parents to sort of go with uh, whatever their reaction is, once they've calmed down a bit, uh, you know, to sort of uh, check this urge to get their anxieties and fears, because number one, obviously, like, this is what the kid is getting from all sides. Like, you know, they're not just going to be getting anxieties and doubts from their parents, you know. The entire world is going to be like, wait, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? So, you know, it's really, it's not as if the child is not gonna hear those viewpoints, you know, if anything, they're gonna be hearing them 24 um, seven. I mean, so I I always encourage parents to just uh, listen, to sort of uh, reflect their understanding, to be curious, uh, with the knowledge that there really isn't any permanent damage that you can do by listening and being curious and and being open. Uh, In other words, you know, parents will often be afraid that they're going to like somehow uh, solidify their kid's trans identity or make their kid believe that they're more trans than they are by affirming their gender identity you know by calling them by the name and pronouns they ask them to call them by uh by um uh, taking them seriously they're afraid that you know this is going to somehow make things permanent and irrevocable and that this is like a, a big long-term decision and so a lot of my work is just getting parents to kind of chill to be like okay You may not have come to an acceptance of this. And, you know, this is something you can get support from, from other parents, from me, from, you know, your own therapist. But, you know, by affirming your child, you're not, you know, banging the gavel and saying uh, this is this is. Exactly what your life and your body is going to be like forevermore. uh, No backsies. Even if that might be true, like you affirming that kid is is not going to move the needle on that. You know, there's no there's no evidence that affirming somebody's gender makes them more or less trans. You know, or that not affirming somebody's gender, you know, is is going to snap them out of it. Like you know, it's just it's just not the way gender identity works. Um, So in terms of um uh as as therapists we call it uh desistance. uh uh some people call it detransition um so there's there's this huge fear and this is you know this is the fear that every parent brings to me at some point uh i mean not not every parent but you know most parents you know they they hear something in the media you know they read a, a scary story and they think well my kid's going to be the one to desist in their gender identity, to detransition and they're going to make all these changes and then maybe they'll make physical changes and they'll they'll have to go back on it and that's obviously scary for parents uh, but luckily we do have a lot of research uh, to show that that is uh, incredibly rare uh, so uh, the, the studies I'm aware of, uh, these, are, these are the three uh, big ones. Um, there was a UK study among, and we're, we're talking about adults here, but I'll get to adolescents in a moment. Uh, there's a UK study that had uh, around 3,400 participants. And of those participants, 0.47% or, or 16 had some form of regret about their transition or had detransitioned. Uh, at some point. Now, it's important to contextualize detransition uh, in that, like, not every time somebody trans, when somebody detransitions, uh, not everybody who detransitions does it because they don't want to be that gender anymore. They don't feel as though their identity was valid. Um, You know, there are people who detransition because of outside pressure, you know, because of discrimination. Uh, there are people who uh, adopt a non-binary identity, whereas before they had more of a binary identity. Lots of different reasons. So of, of the uh, the people in that study who had regretted or detransitioned, uh, two of them were thinking about detransitioning, three had detransitioned, and 10 of them had detransitioned temporarily. So in other words, of about 3,400 people, only three had detransitioned permanently or apparently permanently. That's not a big number. It's it's not a big risk. Um, In a US study, uh, very, very similar uh, results. It was a a survey of, uh, I don't have the number off the top of my head, but it was several thousand trans people. Uh, Curiously enough, 8% had detransitioned at any point but of the overall sample, only 0.4%, so similar to in the UK study, uh 0.4% had detransitioned because they actually regretted it. The uh the remaining about 7.6% you know, 7, 7. uh had detransitioned because of family pressure, because of uh you know religious pressure, because of community you know, discrimination, stuff like that. So another in, in other words uh you know that that really underscores the point that like family affirmation can you know really really harm trans people and really make them do stuff that they really don't don't want to do you know in this case uh you know something that I assume really disrupted their lives or uh, caused them significant dysphoria now, when we look at adolescents, uh it does seem like the numbers are, are roughly similar. Um, so there was a study in the Netherlands uh, of, uh, of adolescents who went through a, uh, a gender clinic and uh, uh, got on uh, puberty blockers and eventually uh, uh, transitioned to, uh, to hormone therapy at the appropriate age. Uh, and of that sample, and this is a multi-decade sample, uh, only 1.9% of them ever stopped wow. treatment. And uh, of course, you know, it's, it's hard to know whether somebody stopped treatment, you know, again, like there are reasons to detransition beyond like not wanting to transition, you know, there are health reasons or, you know, social reasons. But uh, I mean, I think that really underscores the point that, uh, you know, that it's, it's such a rare phenomenon. It's, it's not something that's happening every day. It's just, if you see it in the media a lot, it looks like every trans person is detransitioning or like there's this enormous cohort rather than this very small slice of people.
0: Yeah. And I think that speaks to um, what you were saying before around that the fear that a lot of trans teens have about coming out of not being believed. Maybe they've seen some of these articles that have gone viral about detransitioning. And that's just another proof that my parents won't believe me or my friends won't believe me. Um, How does all of this impact the mental health of a transgender teen.
1: Yeah well what I what I'm seeing is uh
0: you know at least
1: you know in the last couple of years uh you know younger people really freaking out about these uh you know this detransitioning it being so prominent in the media it's really making it seem like it's it's uh it's a phenomenon that that happens to, to a lot more people than it does. Uh and uh so for a lot of them uh It makes them anxious, even if they're experiencing a great deal of dysphoria, even if they're, you know, 99.99% sure that they want to transition, uh, even uh, if uh, they're not even considering physical changes, they're just considering social changes, like a name or pronoun change or a change of wardrobe. You know, they're seeing this as this enormously risky thing that also, you know, carries a great deal of stigma. Um, You know, if... If we were, if we were, you know, maybe kinder to people who detransition, who decided that it wasn't for them, you know, it probably wouldn't be as, as big a deal, uh, you know, if we didn't catastrophize it and say, oh, my God, that's the worst thing that could ever happen to anyone, you know, if we were to say, okay, that's an option, you know, it's not necessarily the end of the world, uh, because, the, you know, there are a lot of detransitioners who... Who don't regret having transitioned or experimented with hormones uh, or you know done uh, some of these physical changes uh, you know there are a lot who expressed that it was something that uh, they felt like they had to do to see if uh, it was right for them uh, there are plenty who uh, like as I said you know started out uh, with one identity and later adopted another identity it was not necessarily like wholly in contradiction. In other words, you know, people who start out saying like, I was assigned female at birth, but I am a man. And then later said, well, actually, I I guess I'm non-binary. Like, that's not a tragic outcome. That's just kind of life. And more importantly, it was was, uh, important that that person's autonomy be respected when they decided that they wanted to transition. You know, if that person had not, been allowed to, you know, to see for themselves what they wanted to do, you know, that really, that really would have been the tragedy that would have been, uh, you know, and and then, you know, you can think of like, if, if uh, the other, you know, 1000 people uh, who wanted to transition had been prevented from transitioning just know, because there was this tiny, tiny chance, because there was this one person who, you know, decided it wasn't for them, like, that also would have been a tragedy. So I I do urge parents to look at the numbers and, you know, to not just weigh the risks of transitioning, but to weigh the enormous, enormous risks of not allowing a child to
0: affirm their identity, because it really is a great, great risk. I want to talk to you more about how to affirm our transgender teen's identity. Um, before I go there, you mentioned uh, dysphoria. And I wonder if you talk a little bit about gender dysphoria, because I think sometimes parents who maybe have a transgender teen, they hear about gender dysphoria and they think, well, if I just solve this problem, they'll no longer be trans. Yeah. And it's,
1: it's unfortunate uh, that you know, that being trans until, you know, recent decades has been framed as a psychiatric problem, because like like you said, it, it frames it, you know, the dysphoria itself as the problem to solve rather than, you know, the, uh, the body or the, you know, the social identity. Um, So, you know, of course, uh, a lot of parents are like, well, if therapy can change that, then why don't we fix the dysphoria and it'll all go away but unfortunately there there really isn't any evidence that that works and there's a lot of evidence that it doesn't work i mean it's it's telling that uh a lot of uh uh organizations that used to focus on uh what what they call reparative therapy or sexual orientation change efforts are actually abandoning those efforts, you know, you see a lot less of it than uh, you used to just because people, you know, even these organizations that were were willing to try, you know, unethically, I would argue, uh, it's even they are seeing that uh, that people are, you know, maybe getting out of these therapies and temporarily, you know, saying, oh, I, I feel straight now, I feel cisgender now. Uh, but they're, you know, it's really not you know actual lasting change it's you know sort of them being told what they want to hear uh so uh hopefully more states are are going to to go in the direction of uh not allowing its use in in adolescence at least um i mean you know it probably shouldn't be allowed to be used on anybody just because it's you know it's quackery it doesn't work but uh i i really discourage parents from pursuing any any efforts like this because you know we we've been we've been doing this for you
0: know a 100 plus years and we we know now that it absolutely does not work um and that, and that brings me another question around uh for parents that are looking for um you know the right medical team therapist to work with their child their teen uh, what are some from some warning signs uh that they should be looking out for to make sure that they are getting affirmative care um because there are some there's lots of people that are out there that are that are saying that they're there to help trans people but they may not be affirming therapists they may not be affirming doctors
1: yeah and that's that's unfortunate um i mean there there's this whole new uh crop of therapists and you know you'll see books like this too where uh, they will not outright say that they are in favor of sexual orientation uh, change efforts or gender identity change efforts. They will not outright say like we, you know, they're not going to be like we hate trans people or you know, it's not going to say on the cover the trans sin or whatever. You know, <laughs> right. they're getting sneakier. You know, it used to be more socially acceptable to be, you know, virulently. Anti-trans, and now it's you. You kind of have to be sneaky, uh, but you know they're still sort of the same people. So I, I, uh, I encourage parents. You know, if they can't get from you know the website or you know the public-facing materials that the, uh, the the practitioner is definitely trans-affirming. You know, if the practitioner is not trans themselves or you know doesn't have like a solidly positive uh, like web presence. Number one, you know, you can always call them, uh, you know, it's, it's always a good idea to have a conversation and, you know, get that person to explicitly say like, yes, I am an affirming clinician. You know, I affirm, you know, a trans person's, uh, right to, you know, socially and medically, uh, transition, you know, if that's, that's what the, the team wants to do. Uh, there are also some directories, uh, that can help, uh, WPATH is one. Uh, the World Professional Association for Transgender Health. Uh, they uh, actually have a, uh, a provider finder, uh, so you can you can go on their website and it's just got a little search function, and uh, you can you can find clinicians of any type. You know whether they're like uh, an MD, an endocrinologist, um, or you know a psychotherapist, a psychologist. Uh, you know lots of diverse uh, types of professionals. Um, So I I would encourage parents to use that resource. Um, uh, There are also some some uh, professional directories uh, for uh, transgender clinicians, and um, you know if you want to give those links to your your listeners, I'd be happy to email them. Uh, So I I mean I would very much doubt that uh, that uh, sexual and gender uh, change, you know that that you know, reparative therapists would be in those directories. Never say never, but at least they're
0: definitely not going to be in the WPATH directory. Okay, great. And, and I'll make sure on the blog to, and also on the podcast notes to to provide those links. So thank you for, thank you for that advice, for that wisdom in, in choosing a, a proper therapist and and medical doctor. Um, going back to the importance of affirming our trans children, um, what are some some ways that we can begin affirming them at home and then also being advocates for them at their school?
1: So in, in terms of home, um there was a a study conducted with trans youth and their parents uh in which uh Trans youth basically said that the thing that my parents do to affirm me the most, like the thing that is the most important to me, is to just use uh, my name and pronouns. And of course, there you know there are other things you know like uh, allowing them to access trans-affirming uh, mental health care and healthcare, you know, getting them to a doctor who you know understands uh, gender identity. You know, even if even if they're not considering medical steps or not at that age where it would be appropriate. Um, you know, getting them access to, you know, trans of a trans-affirming like, you know, team of professionals. Um, but really like the uh the affirmative, the most affirmative thing seemed to be just taking their identity seriously. That was what what that study concluded. And uh unfortunately, uh it it seemed like in that study that, that was what parents were having the most trouble with. Like you know, maybe they, you know, maybe they could affirm them in other ways, but like switching name and pronouns was like the thing that they struggled with the most. Um, I I always tell parents like, this is the free space of parenting. Like this, this costs you nothing. This, you know, incurs no permanent changes. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, do anything permanent or negative. Uh, it's just, it's free. So that's I mean that's the one thing I I tell parents all the time. Um in terms of advocating for them at school uh there there are a few people I I uh, usually usually have parents talk to. I mean number one I always encourage parents to talk to their kids about what the kids actually want them to do cuz you know you know, as a parent you want to help your kid you know, no matter what, you want to, you know, bring your advocacy can into the school and start firing. <laughs> and you know, your your kid may have a different idea. Your kid may be like, no, don't talk to Mr. So-and-so. I'd just rather get through this class with minimal fuss. So, you know, first, you know, have that conversation. Like, what do you actually need? You know, do you need your teachers to use your proper name and pronouns? You know, do you need to uh you know get your name changed in the IT systems? So, you know, usually uh, you know, that's that's the first stop, you know, just the basic name and pronoun stuff. Uh, if you encounter uh resistance, if there's a sense that uh that you know somebody's not playing ball, you know, not complying with the law, and you know, you you escalate it, you know, let's say to the principal or the superintendent, you can't make headway, every school district uh is required to employ a a Title IX coordinator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, that person can really, uh, be a good resource, uh, because they, you know, they are actually accountable for enforcing the law in that area. And so, you know, they're, they're the person who kind of says, you know, who, who would say to the teacher, Hey, hey, dude, you, you have to use this person's pronouns. That's not optional. It's, you know, it's federal or state law. Um, So that's that's a good resource. Um, There are also uh, the students always have the ability uh, if, you know, again, like if you escalated and it doesn't go anywhere to uh, to file a complaint with the the Department of Education, you know, you might be more successful advocating on the level of the, you know, the school or the district, uh, you know, rather than going federal right away. But uh, you know, it's it's always an option, and I, I can provide you uh, some some links for information on that. Uh, the uh, National Center for uh, Transgender Equality has a lot of really good information for
0: uh, parents and kids advocating to schools. That's fantastic! Really, really great advice, and I didn't know about the Title IX coordinator. That is that is awesome to know about that. Yeah, that's it's also true of
1: colleges. Um, so if a student has uh, issues with college
0: you know, that's, that's somebody who's required to be there. That's wonderful. Um, You know, part of this affirmation process, um, not only at home and at school, depending on what your child wants to do um, is also about uh, talking to friends, relatives you see regularly, and maybe your, your teen is telling you, can you please let them know? I want to make sure that they're using my proper pronouns Mm -hmm. and name. And for the parent um, who may be in a religious space, a church, where they feel like that's not going to go over so well, these people may not be affirming. Mm-hmm. Um how do you suggest parents kind of navigate those conversations? So, a
1: lot of the time I I ask parents, you know, I say like it's a good idea to sort of set your boundaries beforehand and that you can do uh in a you know, in in, in concert with your teen cuz you know, the teen is your kid is the one who has to kind of live with the consequences of that. So, you know, to make a decision like, okay, so let's say they don't want to use this name and pronouns, or let's say, uh, you know, the kid comes into the situation, they said they were going to do it, but they're not doing it consistently, or, you know, they're making, you know, remarks that, you know, your kid finds offensive, you know, which of course can happen, you know, like to make a kind of contingency plan, like, okay, if it, if that happens, what do we do next? Like, do we remove ourselves from this congregation? Do we speak to somebody in charge, you know, in a in a family setting? You know, do we, you know, temporarily stop attending these gatherings? Do we become more judicious about who we allow into our home or around our teen? You know, in other words, there, there are no boundaries without consequences. And, you know, I I think, you know, what what can happen in a lot of families is uh, parents will say, well, okay, I told uh, grandma or uncle or so-and-so and and they didn't do what we asked them to do, so I guess there's nothing else to do. But, you know, there is usually something else you can do. I mean, they are often, they're making a choice, uh, you know, if they, you know, if they're not making an active effort you know, to affirm the kid, if they're not, uh, you know, if they're saying things that are offensive or hurtful or invalidating, like that's, you know, that's not uh, a neutral action. Uh, they're, it's something they're actively making the choice to do. They're essentially saying, rather than being close to you and your child, I would rather continue doing these things that I want to do. <laughs> so really, I, you know, I, I always tell parents, like, you know, this is the thing that your child is going to remember. They're going to remember, you know, not the times when you affirmed them, when it was really easy to do so, when you were just making a happy Facebook post, but the times when really you're you're having to sacrifice, you know, the times when you have to maybe make waves and be willing to let people to be, be willing to let people be mad at you, uh, be willing to uh, To raise your voice when your voice needs to be raised and, you know, to modify relationships that are that are hurt, hurting your teen. Uh, you know, that's what they're going to remember, the time when it was very hard for you
0: and, you know, very tense and maybe very sad and you did it anyway. There's a lot of wisdom what you just said. And uh, when you brought up social media, I get so worried about social media, especially for trans kids, because there's so much transphobia mm-hmm. that's out there. That they're seeing so much toxic content that they could be consuming. Can you talk about um, maybe how to set appropriate boundaries for social media for our trans kids?
1: Yeah, this is this is something that uh, that I, I I see a lot in my my younger clients. Uh, you know, they they will go on on social media and they will just be kind of and this is going to make me sound like a fogey because, you know, I use Instagram for pictures of like pies, you know, like I'm not getting cyber bullet. I'm literally just looking at pie crust. It's And it's so, I mean, I think it can be very, um, you know, if you're, if you're an adult, if you're over 30, you know, you, you go on, you, you may, you may, uh, underestimate the scope of what kids are dealing with because you just have not opted into those circles you may have not even had the known that you know these places exist uh so you know one of the things that uh you know as i said before like a lot of uh young people are being exposed to like very misleading like detransition narratives uh a lot of uh younger people are being exposed to uh stuff that's not necessarily toxic, but that, you know, with repeated exposure could make you feel pretty bad about yourself, mm-hmm. you know, uh, bodies, uh, you know, talk about like, you know, diets and weight loss and, you know, just, uh, a lot of like, uh, trans body standards that for a lot of people are just like, not realistic, uh, you know, transition narratives that, you know, maybe super super easy for other people and you know they're looking at these uh you know these people with like a a six-pack and you know they're obviously like that's that's going to make you feel a certain way about your body if you don't have a six-pack i mean it's no different from what cis teens are are dealing with but you know with with trans teens you know there's the pressure from you know cisgender people to look a certain way and then there's a The pressure from transgender people sometimes, you know, not everybody, but like in certain circles to like have a certain appearance. Uh, A lot of the times, uh, a lot of the time, uh, you know, many uh, teens uh, fear uh, not saying the right thing or, you know, making a mistake, uh, you know, Getting uh, doxed by somebody, uh, you know, getting hate mail. Uh, I mean, you wouldn't believe, like, you know, what, what I've what I've heard. Just you know, like young kids, uh, you know, getting like hate mail or death threats because you know somebody thought that they said the wrong thing. Uh, you know, they didn't like a piece of trans media. And you know, there's so there's there are a lot of you know very toxic subcultures uh you know subcultures where uh it's it's very difficult to like exist as a trans teen without like warping your your norms and you know your sense of like what is a civil way to act toward another person um so i mean just you know in terms of concrete strategy i i always uh i always tell parents to be very careful about how you how you talk about like internet use like for because for a lot of for a lot of kids like the internet is their lifeline like you know it's not just toxicity most of it is not toxic most of it is just like you know giving and receiving support you know it's it's, it's beautiful But, uh, you know, if you as a parent, you know, if your reaction to somebody, you know, your kid coming to you and saying, like, I'm being bullied or stalked or harassed is to say, that's it. No more social media, no more Internet. You know, that's uh, that's not going to probably stop them from using it. Uh, I mean, it might. And that would cut off a source of their support and that would suck for them. But, you know, for uh, it. For most kids, you know they're they're gonna get access to it anyway, you know they're gonna do it behind your back, and then, if they really are in trouble, if somebody's like you know threatening them, if something really bad is happening or somebody's like posting their pictures online uh they're not gonna come to you if something bad happens so i you know i I always say to parents like you know you can have conversations about you know is this a space uh where you feel good or is this a space where you're feeling attacked? You know, is 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 this helping you or hurting you? You know, having conversations about like you know, bullying or, you know, how to keep yourself safe online, you know, preventing people from getting like your, you know, your address or your real name. Uh, but don't frame it as an or else, you know, there shouldn't be like or else you can't use websites anymore you know or else you you can't go on this or that site that maybe all your friends are on that site maybe all your support system is on that site uh, in other words uh, avoid anything punitive because you know unless they're like doing something really egregiously bad or you know harming somebody uh, there really is no justification for taking away a teen's support system like that, it, especially uh, when they may not have a local support system. They may may not have people in school or outside of school that they're seeing who are, are trans or are supportive.
0: I want to ask you about the parents who maybe are a little bit struggling with what to do with all these older social media posts mm-hmm. about their kids, you know, the baby pictures and the, the older name, mm-hmm. the older pronouns. Um, obviously, it's a conversation between parent and the child on, on what to do. But do you have any counsel, any wisdom to share with those parents as they're kind of struggling with what we'll have to do with that content?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I I think a lot of parents, it's not as much a technical as it is an emotional struggle. I mean, you know, technically, it's it's not that hard to, like on Facebook, you can limit the visibility of past posts uh, In on some social media platforms. You can archive stuff, so you still have it, but it's not visible to other people. But for many parents, you know, especially when it comes to things like physical photos in their home or, you know, the way they refer to past events, you know, they they may feel as though like the child they knew is gone or erased, you know, they may not feel as as though, you know, they can acknowledge all you know those happy times that they have with their kid. Um however, I I, I always I always encourage parents to sort of I want to say, like, see the child that's in front of you. Um, I mean, I've, I've, uh, I've talked to a lot of trans adults and you know trans adolescents, and a lot of them will say things like, "I feel like my parent, you know, values old me more than new me." If they, uh, you know, if their parent is do, you know, is uh, saying things like, "Oh, you used to be so this," or you know, if they're displaying photos of, you know themselves before you know they they socially or physically transition you know photos that they don't like of themselves uh, i mean it it's it creates the image sometimes that the parent values the image they have of their child more than they value the actual kid who is mm there and and real. And so one of the most powerful things you can do as a parent, and again, easier said than done. This is, you know, me, a therapist saying this, but, you know, the parent is the one who actually has to do it. But you know, the most valuable thing you can do is to to set aside those emotions and, you know, you can acknowledge them to yourself. You can say, I'm having a really, really rough time with this. I need to get this out to, you know, my adult friends. You know, I need to to tell somebody, you know, to mourn, you know, to sit and cry and look at these photographs. But I'm going to do the thing that the person in front of me is asking me to do because that person is more important than, you know, this, this memory of them.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um, A very emotional period that the parent needs to sit with and think about. Definitely. And this is why I always
1: encourage parents to, you know, to get their own support. I mean, it's obviously, you know, it's important to get support for your kid, but like, I, I encourage parents to be in therapy. I encourage them to, to go to parent groups. PFLAG has some uh, amazing programming and groups, uh, that, you know, there's, there's stuff that you can say to your kid, and then there's stuff that you, you really have to get out in front of people who are not going to be emotionally affected by that.
0: Uh, well, Andrew, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show to talk about, um, ways that parents can be wise and help guide their trans teens. Um, before we go, um, any, any last minute tips you'd share, uh, with Christian parents as they're looking to, um, navigate and, and be with their children in this journey?
1: Yeah, so, I, I mean, it, especially for for parents of faith, I, I want them to know that uh, there are a lot of resources uh, out there to help them. Uh, so there is a, uh, a website called GayChurch.org. Uh, they have a directory of uh, queer affirming uh, Christian churches. Uh, you can search by uh, location. Uh, There's uh, a website called QueerTheology.com, they have resources for queer Christians and their families. Uh, uh, They uh, have resources on trans identity and Christian theology. Um, That's QueerTheology.com slash transgender. Uh, uh, There is... uh, know in addition to uh to christian parents there are you know there are resources for parents of uh other faiths and uh for trans people of other faiths uh there's uh the muslim alliance for sexual and gender diversity at uh, muslimalliance.org uh there's uh eshel uh, which is a jewish organization uh echelonline.org uh there's also jewish queer youth uh Youth.org, and uh keshet uh, which is K-E-S-H-E-T, online.org. Uh, so there are there are many many resources for support uh, for you know theological questions uh, for pastoral care uh, around these issues. Uh, and uh, additionally, I always recommend PFLAG just because they they have so many resources, so many online resources, so many groups in person and Zoom. Uh, it pretty much. Uh, every place in the United States. There's just uh, a wealth of support out there. No, no parent has to go it alone.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this conversation with Andrew Triska about ways parents can better support and affirm their transgender teens. Andrew's helpful book is entitled Parenting Your Transgender Teen, Positive Parenting Strategies for Raising Transgender, Non-Binary, and Gender Non-Conforming Teens. You can get your copy at your favorite online booksellers or on his website at andrewtriska.com. You know, in this episode, Andrew shared a ton of helpful strategies to help parents affirm and actively support their trans teens at home and school. And I'm going to share seven ways to incorporate Andrew's helpful advice into religious households to help trans teens continue to grow in their faith. Number one, use their pronouns in prayer. Affirm your kid's gender identity in personal and family prayers by using the pronouns and or name they requested. This is how your prayers will not only provide gender affirmation, but also a spiritual blessing. Number two, get spiritual direction. Seek out a trans-affirming family therapist and spiritual director to assist you with the emotional and spiritual issues that you may be dealing with. You know, Proverbs 11.14 says, Where there is no counsel, the people fall but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. It might take time for you to find the right counselor for you and your family, so talk with a few until you find the right one. Number three, seek forgiveness from your trans teen. Some parents of transgender teens can be overprotective, pessimistic, or obsessively worry, which can lead to more anxiety and stress in the home. Model humility by seeking forgiveness from your trans kids when you mistakenly pass on your own anxiety, doubts, and fears on them. Number four, study transgender theology. Get educated on the ways transgender people find encouragement and blessings in your religious tradition, and discuss these inspirational scriptures, texts, and stories at home with your trans kid. Christian families can find helpful transgender resources at reformationproject.org. Muslim families can look at Muslim Alliance, and Jewish families can find resources at Institute for Judaism, Sexual orientation and gender identity. I have links in the podcast notes. Number five Donate or tithe to faith-based transgender organizations. You know a great way to be an ally for transgender people is to financially support and or tithe regularly to faith-based Transgender organizations that support affirm and advocate for trans people. I encourage you to check out Muslim Alliance JQY, Keshet and Transmission Ministry Collective. I have links on my blog as well as in the podcast notes so you can learn more about them Number six listen to the stories of transgender people of faith You know, there are so many trans people sharing their faith journeys in book form podcasts and social media Share these stories with your trans teen. I list a variety of resources on my blog as well as in the show notes number seven lead with humility and compassion this is the journey Pray that you would display the love of God to your trans kids as you lead them with wisdom, compassion, and humility. And I hope that all these steps can help you and your trans teens see that their gender identity doesn't separate them from their faith and their spirituality. You can get all the links, show notes, and more information about Andrew's new book at my blog at mikedelgado.org. If you found this podcast helpful in any way, please share it with a friend, and or rate this show on iTunes. Your vote can help the show get more visibility. Thank you so much. Take care, and we'll chat more next time.